It is indeed a pleasure to have this privilege to play here for you. We, we intend to give you a very fine program, so just settle back, relax, and enjoy the moment. 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 Welcome back to another special edition of Miked Up on OM Radio. This is your daily COVID-19 news update for Low Country listeners. I'm your host, Mika Gadsden. Today's date, it's Tuesday, April 21st, and timestamp, it's currently 5.42 a.m. And yesterday, our governor here in South Carolina, Governor Henry McMaster, he took to the podium for an update. Take a listen. On March the 30th, I issued an order that closed access to the beaches uh, along our state. Since that time, I have spoken to all of the mayors that are along the coast, or most of the mayors, if not all of them, and today I am canceling that order effective as of noon tomorrow for those beaches and taking the, that, the, uh, the power of that order off of those governments so that the decision-making returns to those governments in those beaches, those places, to make their own decisions as they did before I issued that order. So we're turning that back over to the mayors and the councils to make their own decision, and that includes the public access, that is the government-owned access to those beaches, as well as to the piers, the docks, the wharfs, or the ramps in those locations. Also, another part of the executive order I'm issuing today, on April the 3rd, I restricted some retail businesses to pick up and deliver it only. We closed them for other operations, but let them encourage them to continue with the pickup and delivery subject to social distancing. And you know this included furniture stores, shoe stores, department stores, music stores, sporting goods stores, craft, flea markets, and florists. As of 5 o'clock today, I am canceling that order. So there you have our governor, uh, Henry McMaster. He's accelerating his Accelerate South Carolina plan. Um, And you hear he's rolling back some of the executive orders he issued um, in previous weeks and months. Um, You heard him mention that he's turning he's restoring power back to local municipalities. Um, As I reported yesterday, we um, we saw over the weekend or rather uh, Monday evening, we saw a joint statement issued by uh, the lawmakers. Uh, over on Edisto Beach, Folly Beach, Sullivan's Island, and um, Isle of Palms. They issued a joint statement saying that they will continue to restrict access to their beaches. And it was a smart move that actually it earned the cosign of uh, uh, Representative uh, Joe Cunningham. So um, something to watch out for as the governor moves forward with, quote unquote, um, opening or reopening the economy. We're seeing certain local pockets make their own decisions based on the data that we've seen. And, and I'll update you on the DHEC numbers later uh, in this update show. But um, basically, the numbers are trending upward still. Um, some data suggests, some data from DHEC suggests that we are plateauing. However, total positive case numbers are continuing to rise. And so um, it's, it's an interesting position. And um, I do want to acknowledge that the governor is in um, a precarious position. Uh, he's in a tough spot. 
Uh, the economy is a concern. Uh, so, so many small businesses are reeling right now. So many individual homes are without, without income, without necessities. And I understand that there's a delicate balance. Uh, even on a CNBC yesterday, um, you know, there was a report on Boeing. And so Boeing, us halting production here in the North Charleston area with the Boeing plant, how that subsequently impacted Boeing's production uh, you know, throughout the country. And so I understand how what we do here, especially being a hub for major manufacturing, how that can impact other economies and other businesses and in other locations. However, um, I think we've heard from other folks like citizens, everyday folk, that we don't want to go back to where we were a month ago, uh, meaning that we don't want to open too soon. And so um, I'm going to pivot to this clip from WCNC again. Yesterday, I included a clip from that news outlet because that's um, it's it's a news outlet that covers both South Carolina and North Carolina and that Charlotte uh, Rock Hill area, and that media market. And um, they're continuing to ask the question, is South Carolina opening up too soon? Take a listen to this clip. In destroying this virus, we must be sure not to destroy uh, permanently any of these businesses. While the officials say the decision was made based on South Carolina's unique coronavirus data, neighbors to the north in Mecklenburg say they're bracing for impacts. South Carolina, we're right on the border. And if they loosen things in those communities, um, we, we expect to see some some effect on our county from that. I think it's a double-edged sword. I think if you open too soon, you're going right back to where we were. But if you don't open and people don't have the structure that they're used to, we're going to have a bigger problem with mental health than I think we will on the actual virus side. And Governor McMaster says that retail businesses will still have to follow capacity restrictions and people should also still follow social distancing guidelines. In South Carolina, Vanessa Rufus, WCNC Charlotte. Shout out to Ms. Rufus, the reporter there with uh, WCNC for that reporting. What you heard were, you heard the reporter, of course, you heard our governor, Henry McMaster, the voice of a Mecklenburg um, lawmaker and um the muffled voice that was a that was the local business owner um, from that area. So again, I wanted to include um, reporting from a region of South Carolina where there's a shared media market. So you hear how neighboring states are responding to what our governor is doing here locally um, amid the COVID nineteen crisis. Um, it's interesting because last night. As I was viewing some cable news, I was watching uh, the 11th hour. I actually caught it this morning at 4 a.m. because I don't stay up late to watch it. But anyway, I was I was watching Brian Williams and there was a there was a segment um, on the show where, you know, he grew. He mentioned South Carolina and our governor uh, easing restrictions on uh, residents and businesses. And, um, you know, we're grouped, we're lumped up in um, we're lumped up with states like Florida and Georgia. And so mm, a lot of folks are still scratching their head about um, they're scratching their heads regarding, like, are we making the right decisions? So much so I even saw some other um, some additional national reporting from The New York Times. So yesterday, the New York Times published a piece regarding our governor's um, acceleration plans and, you know, the questions that are going to arise from um, opening the state or reopening the state. And is it too soon, specifically based on the health data? Um, I mentioned in previous shows that, you know, there should be two sets of numbers that we use to dictate how we um, 
how we go about reopening the the state. And um, to me, the numbers that um, are paramount are those health numbers, uh, are those DHEC numbers. So the New York Times is reporting on um, Governor Henry McMaster and um, looking at states like Georgia and Florida, who um, Florida already opened their beaches. And it's just really something that I'm I'm holding my breath. I, I don't mind uh, offering you my own personal feelings regarding that. I'm holding my breath because I don't want us to go back. I don't want us to revert back to having um, ultra strict shelter in place rules and regs. I want us to do this the right way. And what we have not seen here in South Carolina, nor have we seen enough of throughout the country is testing. We don't have enough testing. And so um, that's the thing that really uh, just really upsets me a little bit and and, and makes me a little anxious. So yes, I would like to enjoy um, spring in South Carolina. I would like to enjoy summer in South Carolina, but I want to be safe. I want my family, my community members to be safe. And I'm, I know that's the sentiment of a lot of folks. So as we saw all these uh, protests, and I'm going to characterize the protests um, with my personal opinion, um, they were they were quite unsettling to see citizens, um, you know, armed citizens, citizens with Confederate flags across the country. Um, for me, it was a slap in the face to healthcare workers and those like folks like my father and uh, very vulnerable citizens who are, are vulnerable to this disease. It's a slap in the face to them to see so many people so anxious to, to politicize this issue and to raise rise up and, and threaten violence. Um, all because you want to, I don't know, go to a Baskin Robbins without uh, without restrictions. I don't know. Um, and I'm not going to make it partisan, but I'm saying that what I saw was unsettling. And uh, shout out to all the healthcare workers who stood up to those uh, people protesting um, the the the. the, the um, White House restrictions. They're, they're protesting the restrictions put in place or suggested by the highest levels of government in our country. And so shout out to the healthcare workers that stood firm and, um, you know, participated in a silent and peaceful protest against some of that Michigas. It was very unsettling to watch. And, and no doubt that's informing a lot of the, the decision making here in South Carolina kind of went off my little uh my plan for the for the show today but I felt like that commentary was necessary um yeah so uh, I want to give you another perspective this is from uh, our local teachers and shout out to SC for Ed they're a grassroots group um, that have mobilized and organized in such an impressive way to advocate for teachers and teachers' rights and for their students and schools. And they have something to say regarding the reopening of South Carolina because they're still awaiting word from the governor regarding our schools. So take a listen to this clip. If you think about um, a classroom size being able to figure out how to socially distance potentially 30 kids in a room, that's just not something that mathematically is going to be possible. The amount of cleaning that would have to go into making sure a bus and a cafeteria and hallways and classrooms um, and everything else was sterile enough to prevent um, any kind of spread, we just feel like that's not something that, that schools could possibly do. Would any of this even be necessary, though, through the end of the school year, or would e-learning continue? We took those questions and other to the State Department of Education and requested some answers. We were told State Superintendent Molly Sperman wasn't available for an interview today, but were provided this statement. 
The health and well-being of South Carolina students, educators, and their families remains the highest priority for the South Carolina Department of Education and for our state's leaders charged with navigating the COVID-19 pandemic. We anticipate a decision and announcement regarding school operations from the governor very soon. For SC for Ed, they are hoping that decision comes sooner rather than later. We're very hopeful that the governor will make an announcement sometime this week um, about closing for the rest of the year. That would give teachers a lot of peace of mind, and it would allow teachers to start planning long-term for quality e-learning. Reporting in Columbia, Michael Fuller, News 19, WLTX. Shout out to the folks over at WLTX for that reporting. And uh, I just want to extend so much respect and well wishes to the organizers with SC for Ed for their continuous uh, leadership on this issue regarding our schools and our students. And um, they're continuing to elevate issues that perhaps folks who are not in education or within the education field um, things that we might not think about. So I think their perspective is, is very valid and very helpful and, and um, necessary. So thank you to them for their work. Um, I'm going to, to pivot to a story in today's Post and Courier. Uh, today, uh, MK uh, Wildeman, she wrote a story regarding uh, SE's plans to accelerate its reopening of the economy and whatnot. Um, the uh, headline of the story is uh, South Carolina hasn't met U.S. criteria to reopen. So the premise of the article is, you know, as as we see the governor continue to accelerate his plans, we haven't even met the um the the standard for set for us by our president. So I'm going to read just a little bit from her piece. Um, it, it reads, uh, Governor Henry McMaster is beginning to unspool tight restrictions on movement during the coronavirus's spread as cases begin to plateau, but the governor steps to reopen the state come before South Carolina has met the president's cri- criteria to reopen. I'm going to uh, jump down. There's a really interesting part in her reporting um, regarding the 14-day rule. Okay, here we go. A state should see a 14-day downward trend of positive cases. In South Carolina, that has not happened. The number of cases has plateaued, said Dr. Linda Bell, the lead epidemiologist with the South Carolina Department of Health and Environmental Control. But DHEC's data does not yet show a downward trajectory in cases. People will continue to be infected and more people will die, she said. Stop. Um, yeah, that right there is just so illuminating. Um, like, like you know, so I, that's that's what's a little troubling for me in terms of as, of us as a state continuing to move on. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give you an update on the numbers. I know I typically lead the show with it, at least within the first few minutes. But here, um, here's where we stand with the uh, the current total of uh, positive. COVID-19 cases here in South Carolina. Also, the latest numbers just into the newsroom from the state health officials. They confirmed 64 new cases in South Carolina, brings the total to 4,439, 124 deaths in total in South Carolina. Charleston County, 391 positive results, three deaths. Berkeley County, 138 positives and three deaths. Dorchester County, 83 positive results and one death. In the Midlands, Richland County, nearly 700 deaths, four, uh, 14 deaths, 700 positive results, I should say. And Greenville has 498 positive results and 11 deaths. That reporting was courtesy of WCBD, our local NBC News affiliate here in Charleston. Um, and as you hear, the numbers are continuing to rise. Um, we are seeing a plateau effect um, as per DHEC. Um, but again, we have not seen that 
consistent decreasing in numbers. Um, we see in other states like New York, which is, you know, the epicenter of the coronavirus uh pandemic in this country, we've seen that their hospitalization numbers, I believe, uh, have decreased. And so it's really reassuring to see areas that are struggling to contain the virus. It's good to see uh, them experience some success with containment, um, with managing the, the numbers and the um, the illnesses. Um, and I hope we see that here. It looks like we are. Um, and as MK's reporting suggests, um, our our hospitals, and I encourage you to read her piece today in today's paper, our hospitals um, do look like we're equipped to handle a surge if we do experience one. Um, cause, because I don't think we have reached our peak, not here in South Carolina, we haven't. But it's great to see um, reporting that suggests that we are equipped to handle that surge if it does come. Um, so that's reassuring news. Uh, areas like New York seeing decreases, decreasing numbers of hospitalizations, <clears throat> pardon me. And um, also some good news I read in the state newspaper here in South Carolina. You know, I read a story of a woman of a certain age, uh, an elderly woman who was uh, diagnosed with uh, coronavirus, with the coronavirus, with COVID-19. Uh, she's on the mend and she was donating her plasma. And maybe you've all read or heard stories about folks who've recovered from COVID-19 um, then turning around and donating their plasma because of the antibodies. Uh, and so perhaps that could be used in a remedy or treatment for COVID-19. So that's great news to see someone of a certain age recover and um, being able to jump up and, and help out folks. And and we've seen other elderly folks be uh, discharged from area hospitals. I know the Post and Courier uh, had, a, had a story last week featuring some elderly folks um, being discharged. And it's such a great sight to see. Shout out to my friend Gavin for capturing some awesome images uh, of folks leaving the hospital and being saluted uh, by uh, our our healthcare workers there, and so um, yeah, just just continue to read your newspaper. You'll see some some really silver linings, right? It's not all uh, it's not all you know tragic. There's some great stories happening and innovation and people helping each other. So um, continue to read stories on that. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and do my Simone Biles dismount <laughs> as awkward as I can be. Uh, but nah, y'all please be happy and healthy today. Make sure you continue to practice social distancing, wear those masks. Ain't no shame in it. I've got several shout out to my aunt Bertha for making me another mask. I, I love that. I have variety and choices. Um, shout out to all the women on Wadmala making masks. Um, shout out to Lavinia Wiggins in Pineville for making masks. Um, women are, are just crushing it right now, especially the country folk. So y'all stay happy, stay healthy, stay home, stay masked up. Have your hand sanitizer, your gloves on. Let's help to continue to flatten this curve and let's help to continue to create this plateau effect. All my Gullah Geechee folk out there, y'all, y'all stay black.